your comic book pit. Okay. Gotta take some penicillin for that. <laughs> uh, this is Comic Book Pit episode 232. I'm Dan. I'm Dan. I'm Jared. And uh, well, you know, it's it's the it's officially the first day of September. Summer's pretty much winding down. We got Labor Day weekend coming up, so it's kind of the the end of the. Would you say the main con season is? I mean, yeah. cons run year round now. That there's no getting around that. But uh, a bulk of the big shows, a lot of the action happens during the summer. Yeah. Um, this weekend, right now, in fact, Baltimore Comic Con is happening, and there's obviously, you know, San Diego Comic Con. That's the big one. That's the Super Bowl of comic book conventions. Um, and uh, well. You know, Duke's been uh, attending f- for a while now. I mean, you, you've, you've been doing a lot of you, – you've really been branching out to a lot of kind uh, of regional shows. Yeah, you know what? Like, I, I think it's just trying to figure out where um, I fit, you know, as in an ex- my experience, um, my quality of work and all that stuff. You know, like a couple years ago I did the Baltimore show and basically got, you know, got punched in the gut. You know, and didn't do very well there. Um, and it wasn't necessarily just, you know, my fault, but it was, you know, it's such a huge show. It's so competitive and it's expensive to set up. So I just started scaling back after that. Like I, I was like, I'm just going to do regional shows that are in this area, um, typically under a hundred dollars a table you now and hopefully mm-hmm. no, uh, overnight stays. Um, that, you know, the two exceptions I made this year were actually for Sci-Fi in the Valley, Con, and the last week's West Virginia PopCon I had stayed overnight. So those were the big, pretty much my big ones of the summer. Um, Three Rivers Con, of course, was local, so we didn't have to worry about, you know, hotels and all that. Um, so, you know, when you don't have a hotel expense, it definitely makes a difference. When you're looking at, you know, at the end of the week weekend. Oh, sure. You know, um, profitability and all that. So Now, um, now last week, I, I think it was in our pre-show. I don't think we really talked about it. But you, um, you know, not to go into a lot of details, but you expressed some concerns about the upcoming WV PopCon. Yeah, and I was, yeah, some concern. Um, part of it is um, the show. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do any blaming or anything like that. Actually, I might, but <laughs> but not on the promoter so much. Well, all right. Let me just say my piece. Let's see what happens. Just let it out. Let dude. it out. This is this is a safe place. It's never safe. It's <laughs> it's in the public now. Um, uh, one of the one of the 
critiques that I have heard and and agreed with about the West Virginia PopCon show is that it had not they didn't promote it um, long enough. You know, like they the promotion really only started about two months before, and mm. it seemed like a lot of other shows do year round promotion and then they they pretty much hammer people on a daily basis. You know, in the last month, um, if you're on the West, if you're on the um, Baltimore email, I've been getting this, an email every day for the last month and a half from them about the show. Oh, I, I get emails on like a weekly basis from uh, Steel City Con. Steel City, yeah, they they run that thing like like a steel ship, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, which is which is smart. It really is smart. You know, like, you can't be bashful, you know, as a promoter. There's no such thing. Um, but, yeah, I thought that I thought that the West Virginia PopCon got off the ground a little too late in promoting itself. However, they had the largest attendance this year. So the word still got out. Okay. So, so even though I say that, that, like, I wish it would have been promoted sooner, now then I'll say, however... <laughs> <laughs> the largest attendance also was like the least profitable year for interesting for me and for numerous other artists on the floor. Okay, um, and for some vendor vendors too, which is really weird because now we have this. I can't, I, I can't wait to hear what you think about it too, Dan, uh, about the show. Um, but I, I was just going to make a comment that I feel that some shows like West Virginia and Sci-Fi in the Valley have the 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 audience has reached a con fatigue. So it's kind of it's kind of toad. Yeah. Like it's it's just leveled off. Yeah, like because it's not really gaining any traction. Well the attendance is there, the buyers are no longer there. You know? Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 making the switch where you know, because sci-fi was the same way, man. I just sat there, you know, for three days waiting for people to come to the table, and people wouldn't they they wouldn't make eye contact. You know, they wouldn't they wouldn't engage. Even if they don't buy anything, I don't care. But nobody would even engage, you know, and mm-hmm. and just say, hey, you know, cool stuff, you know, and walk away. Um, and it, and it happened at both shows, and they're both about the same amount of years old. Um, they're, you know, I think sci-fi is six, West Virginia is five. And I feel like that, you know, I had one group of people, a uh, family or whatever, they came by and they're like, we bought your stuff last year. And they're like, it's, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And they're like, okay. And then they were <laughs> gone, you know? So, um, so, you know, like just speaking as an artist, that stuff was not moving People had no interest in comic books and very little interest in prints, which seems to be, you know, and walking around that show, you could tell, I, like, prints seems to be the thing because everybody has a print wall now. Yeah. Um, but all everybody was saying that they didn't do as well as they have. Um, so, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe these areas are saturated you know, like the people are like, well, I already have crap for my walls. You know, I don't need any more of this. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, it, you know, it's there's definitely like the the allure of of an 
only a you know a ten dollar admission is is enough to get people in the door. But mm-hmm. so okay, so, so so my experience with it, this was the first year I I, I went, and yeah. I just went. We just came down Saturday. Um, it was an easy drive, ten dollars to get in, yeah. no big deal. Yeah. Um, I was not. I was not overly impressed with the show. Um, it, it just, I, and, and I think a lot of it is, is, is me because, you know, having been to so many shows over the, you know, the past 10, 12 years, I've, you know, these, a show like this, there's nothing there I haven't seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Very uh, true. There's, you know, the, as far as, you know, the, the, the prints, the toys, the you know the the costuming, the the big inflatable Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, someone's homemade TARDIS. Um, yeah, it's it's fun, it's cool, but it, at this point, like me, like personally as a fan, I need something. I need something more. Right. So, you know, but it was still fun to you know walk around. Actually, um, the the artists there. Were, you know, the, the ones that we talked to were friendly and engaging, but not pushy. Yeah. So that was nice. Um, I I was disappointed that, as far as I could tell, there were only like two comic book vendors. Yeah. That there was New Dimension Comics. Yeah. Um, and then I think there might have been one other, like comic book, retailer set up there. Yeah, and that oh, and you know, and there was yeah because um, Comic Paradise, Comic Paradise Plus. Okay, uh, they're actually the ones that put the show on, so they okay. they were the other definitive comic, you know, comic. Mm-hmm. I, actually, even their booth, I don't know if they sold a lot of comics at it. it. Seemed like they had a lot more merchandise type stuff. Right. Which which was selling, you know. I won't take away from that, you know. Um, people like their pop figures, so you know. Oh yeah, that's but, uh, you know. Um, the uh, the, the... Hmm? oh go ahead. No, oh okay, so so what I was I, what I was thinking about with this show is like that you know the turnout was fine, um, but the but the buyers weren't there, um, and I thought that like looking around at the at the crowd, I didn't really see a lot of college kids. And I know that they, you know, they're, you know, WVU's right there. And I was like, I'm surprised that there isn't like a bigger college, you know, thing going on here. And, you know, after uh, on Sunday, we actually went to um, Starbucks after the show. And there was like mm-hmm. 50 college kids in there all sitting at their computers and drinking coffee. And I was like, now I see where they should have advertised. But, uh, uh, well, well, also the thing is, you know, it was probably a really hard weekend because, uh, you know, at least as far as attracting college kids, because, you know, it was it, 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 it's a brand new school year. Yeah. I mean, that was basically, you know, for a lot of schools, that was like move-in weekend or move-in yeah, week. Yeah, and that's, some, um, that's something that he actually debated because he was trying to pick which weekend would be best, and that was the consensus that that would be the better weekend. I think because there may have been something last year that I, that got in the way, you know, something, some event at the school, like a game or something like that, 
mm-hmm. you know, if they had waited a week, it would have interfered with that. So it's one of them things like, yeah, they were trying to, uh, trying to figure out how to, how to get the, uh, college crowd, but it's, mm-hmm. I just don't think it was successful. Like, I don't think there was a, a turnout there in that age group. Um, but I, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know if they do stats on that. Um, one thought I had about the show that I think would help uh, is there's um, two other comic book stores in Morgantown, and they weren't represented there, as far as I could tell, or you know, looking at the paper and everything. And I think I think that's just one of them things. Like you just give them a table, you know, and just right. say, you know, no matter what kind of you know their competitors or whatever you think of them. You know, you just say, hey, um, you know, this is for all of us. This is for the whole town. We want you to be at this show. Here's a free table, you know, and spread the word. You know, so that way you have two other stores then that are carrying the flyers and advertising the show. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's no animosity. And, mm-hmm. you know, that way you're not only getting one third of the comic fans. Right. So, I don't know. I get, and I had two other two other issues that are i guess more more logistical than anything but um we were on our way to the show and i i had a pretty good idea of which direction to head in but as we were getting closer i'm like okay i, I better just pull up the actual address and you know just just gps it real quick just to be safe um the address is actually not on the front page of the website I know. That's a- you have to go to the FAQ section, and the first question well, is, "How do I get there?" Well, you know what? It might be, but it's in that it's in that uh, rolling scroll. So when the page loads, you lose it. Yeah, that's. I think if it's anywhere, it's on there. But it's. But yeah, you'll lose it if if your page loads slowly. Right, because I, I saw it on there. I'm like, oh, there it is. And then when I went back to get it, gone. it was gone. Yeah, and. And I'm like, it just needs to be there. It doesn't need to be moving. It should be on your front page. Right. You bold. Know, yeah. Bold. Front and center. Yep. You know, people shouldn't have to go searching for your address. You want people and to be able to find you. Address and showtime and date. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, and admission. Like, just yeah, the yeah. basics. Um, the other thing, and I, I don't know if this was... Um, like a mechanical problem, if this was, you know, if they had to pay extra for it, I, I don't know what, but I don't think, like, the was the air conditioning on in that building? It was, but... It was? But it was horrible. Oh, my God, I was miserable. Yeah, everybody was absolutely dying in there. Like, I was sweating balls, yeah. and, like, it, it got to the point where, you know, I I, I thought, I'm like, you know, we, we kind of seen everything, and I'm like... Like oh, well maybe I'll you know run back and say goodbye to Scott and Crystal, but then I'm like I can't because because what's going to happen is and and this happens it just happens because yeah. we're friends we're going to sit there and we're going to BS for a little oh, bit yeah. before and I'm like I can't I can't I just like we're right here by the door let's just let's go, just go. yeah no I can't I, go back into that into the we, that hellscape no it was it was so it was so humid in there and it got worse as the day went on and I guess. Part of the reason was that people had propped doors in the back because it was getting hot. But then mm-hmm. by doing that, they just let all the AC out. 
They just made it worse. Yeah, they actually made it worse. So on Sunday, they said, please keep the doors closed. It still was hot, but it wasn't as bad. Like, I don't know, that building, like, it was cool on Friday night when we got down there. And mm-hmm. then on Saturday, just, we couldn't feel any air at all. And we're like, is it the volume of people, maybe? You know, heat up yeah. the building. But, yeah, we just, we were like, oh, my God. So, like, when we got out on Saturday, we're like, we could go eat or we could go jump in the swimming pool at the hotel. So we jumped in the pool for a half hour. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't blame you. Yeah, just to get some relief, and then we went out for, for dinner. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, um, uh, you know, I hate to say it, that um, I really like that show. I really um, have, I've been setting up there for four years, and I like the people that run it and everything, but I don't know if I'm going to do it again next year. Because the cost, you know, for me to get a hotel and mm-hmm. a table and then not make that money back, which, you know, is what happened, that I don't, you know, I just can't afford it. Right. You know? So I don't know. You know, and that's what I said about sci-fi as well. Um, I didn't make my money back on that show. And, you know, what are you going to do? So, oh, but however, um, just to bring it around, and that I'm not a total, you know, totally <laughs> missing on everything. But in Ohio, at All Americon, it was bonkers. It was amazing. Like people were buying, people were excited. You know, um, I don't know. The area was, you know, the, the 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 audience was hungry there. You know, and then it makes me think that these other places that maybe they're just they've had enough. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. So there you go. That's my uh, twenty cents so on like- that. You're like gas drillers. You go, you just suck the land dry, and you move on. <laughs> That's about right, man. We're like, <laughs> and I did like some... like locusts. <laughs> That's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> you know, like locusts. You know, they use up the planet and they move on, and we're next. Yeah, I just, dude, I just watched it again. Like, oh my god, like a week or two ago, it was on TV on a Sunday. I was like, yep, we're doing this. Yeah, it figures. It, it'll be on TV like any other day, but when it when it actually comes to July Fourth, it's never it's on. on. Yeah, light the tires. <laughs> yeah, kick the tires and light the fires. Yeah, yeah. Do not do not light the do not light the tires on fire. No, fire. no, no. Don't do that. <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah. That would be a completely different movie. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't we get our planes in here, dude? You lit the tires on fire. <laughs> we can't roll them down the down this airstrip. And you can't, you can't put them out either. Nope, can't. They, don't, they don't go out for a while. Tire fires are there's a that's a bad scene. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's our. I think that is our con wrap up. All right. Emphasis on con. Hey, um, but <laughs> I will say this: I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a plug right now before the end of the show. And my okay, um, coming up in a couple weeks. I can't remember the date offhand, but Nittany Con in Penn State. I believe it's on September 25th, NitneyCon, one-day show. I'm going. People should check it out. Okay. Boom. So, it's a new September one. September 25th. Yeah. It's, it's a, a new show. On their webpage. That's, that's embarrassing. What's that? Uh, again, the, never mind. And, you know, when you look it up on uh, Google and it gives a little description. Oh, yeah. It says, there's a typo in that. But when you go to the actual page, it's, it's correct. It's accurate. 
okay. Weird. Uh, yeah, September 25th, 2016. See, bam, it's right on the front page. Tells you the time, the ticket price, yeah, right in the everything. Top and That's how you do it. And it has a guest, like a link. You click on the guest list immediately. They highlight um, comic books. This is a pretty nice website. It is. They, they're doing a really good job of promoting the show. And um, they also uh, feature guests, including let's, – let's make a transition, maybe. Okay. But uh, one of their featured guests is – I'm waiting for it to load <laughs> – Robert Hack. Oh, okay, cool. There you go. Uh, the artist for The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yes. Yeah. A, a book I used to read and I just fell behind on. Um, but I think we all have in in various stages read or are in the process of reading Afterlife with Archie number 10. Yeah, there I just read it during Duke's Con wrap-up. <laughs> Bam! There's transitions for you. <laughs> um, written by <laughs> Roberto... Uh, was it Aguiar? Roberto Aguirre? Aguiar? Yeah, that sounds right. Aguiar Sacasa? Sure. Yes. Aguirre? Agu- yeah. Aguirre, Aguirre Sacasa. Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Now, now up to bat, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Um, and artwork by the amazing Francesco Francavilla. Um, nice. So, uh, um,. Okay, so everyone's up to speed on this book. Oh, Is yeah. that, are we okay? Um, no, I, I will say I actually am not. I I only read the first issue. Well, um, but I mean, you're, but, you're, but I, I am familiar. Or no, I read the first issue behind. But this, but this issue in particular, I, I flipped through it at the store, so I'm familiar. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, spoil away. You're like I gave it a once over. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't think well, I gonna... can vamp while you read nine issues to get caught up. Yeah. Why don't you guys? Why don't you guys uh, yeah. entice me to buy it? Three hours later. <laughs> um, well, well, this is basically uh, okay. So I haven't read Afterlife with Archie since the first arc, um, which is weird because I really did like Afterlife with Archie, but again, it's one of those books that just kind of fell off for me. Mm-hmm. Um, which, if no one's read it. Go out and read it immediately. It's the zombie apocalypse hits Riverdale, and Archie and the gang are surviving in this really well-written, well-drawn, and really messed-up version of the Archie gang and Riverdale and all this good stuff. Um, this is a standalone issue that takes place prior. It starts out takes pl- takes place prior to the to the incident that happens in Riverdale. And then at the end of the issue, uh, the characters, which this is spotlighting on Josie and the Pussycats, they are flying to Riverdale to put on a show when they are – it's suggested that they divert and go to another airport because there's some, uh, you know, some uh, panic or some – you know, uh, rioting is the term that's used. Yeah, rioting. There's like some some bad stuff going on, and they're like, no, let's land and see what's happening. <laughs> but in between there, this issue is basically Interview with the Vampire, uh, but with with Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, interview with the Pussycat. There you go, Interview with the Pussycat. 
and it was. Oh, you know what, Dan? That's actually the name of the the issue. Chapter five: Interview Interlude with the Pussy Cats. Oh, that's funny. And I didn't I even notice that. I was like, I'm yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, so I'm like, oh, look at us. Yeah. We're so smart. <laughs> no, no, you're not. <laughs> you there. But, but, so this uh, this one issue story supposes that Josie and the Pussycats have actually been around since the early 1900s. That they were all um, friends in the in this orphanage that became this musical group that ran afoul of a vampire in the, what would you say, like the 1920s, Jared? Yes. 1920s, 1930s, something like that? Like yeah. a Great Gatsby yeah, trust era. Me, this book's fresh in my mind. I just literally read it while Duke was doing that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so like Josie is, and the Pussycats were like orphans in turn of the century London, and they could sing, so their uh, orphan, head of the orphanage, the, the dude she was with, like, took them out on the road as a singing group. And there was four, and, like, the one, it was kind of gross, because this book kind of goes in dark places. So, like, the, yeah. The dude was banging the little girl. They were, like, what, 16, messy. 17 at this point in time? Yeah, by the time the, wrong, but. the manager kind of beds one of the original pussycats, yes. and the other three strike out on their own, so that's how you get. That's how they become a trio. But yes. originally they were a quartet. Yes, and then they attend a uh, Great Gatsby party at the home of what turns out to be a vampire who turns Josie, who in turn turns the other two, Valerie and Melody. I'm, I can't remember their names. Mm-hmm. And then, as as Dan was saying, they as the decades go, like every like ten years, they like be like a one hit singing wonder, disappear for a little bit, come back as another group. And so their current incarnation is Josie and the Pussycats. That's funny. Yeah. And I, I, I really enjoyed them, like the, like you said, how they would, they would have a one hit wonder, they would kind of disappear and then they would come back, but they would reinvent themselves with another yeah. hit. Yeah, yeah. And it was always like, they went from like the, the doo-wop era to the sixties. Like Motown. To disco. Just... Yeah. Motown. Um, to the to the eighties, yeah. Um, Even the nineties, the Sugar and Spice Girls is what they called themselves. With yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a great issue. I, I, I really it makes me want to get back into so does the it, Afterlife with Archie, um, you know, title. Does it have any interaction with the uh, what's current going on? No. Okay. No, Mm-mm. the very end, like Dan said, they're flying into Riverdale because they'd done Riverdale like when they were the Cabo sisters. Okay, so it's so a, they're yeah, going yeah. back to do a show in Riverdale, and that's when they find out. And I thought what was pretty, pretty freaking badass is like you know you've been reading this book, you know we've been reading this book, Dan, and like it just seems like the world is ending. It's just despair and drama for the Archie gang, and it kind of looks like it's the vampire Josie and the Pussycats are going to come to be the ass kickers that help maybe save the day. Like, how are you going to fight these mm-hmm. vampires, these zombies? Uh, some vampires. Yeah. That's what it is. Our Afterlife with Archie is turning into vampires versus zombies. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it, you know, every time I think this, this book has just gotten really good, it just turns around and surprises me and gets even better. And I look forward to reading issue 11 in about six to nine months. 
<laughs> it doesn't come out too frequently. Yeah, that is the only the only downside is that yeah the these Afterlife with Archie books are are notoriously late. Let's put it in perspective. This is issue ten. Issue ten. Dan, you bought issue one when we were at New York Comic Con. Yeah, oh, three almost three years ago is when I yeah when I bought um yeah I, I bought the first couple of issues. At the Archie booth, and was it the first couple, yeah. or was it just the first issue with the vari- the variants of the first issue? Oh, you know, you, you know what? You're right. It was it was the variants. I, yeah, they, they had a they had a pack of variants of the first issue that I bought. It was fairly you're consistent right. at first, mm-hmm. and then it disappeared. And then I had my shop, excuse me, put it on my pool list. Like I do it because I bought an issue twice. I bought like a second print variant or something because I thought it was the new issue because they were so infrequent. I couldn't remember where I was at. And then um, so I bought the same issue twice. And I was like, just put this on my list and pull it whenever it comes out because I can't remember which one's which anymore. Because they would do that. It would disappear and then like a reprint variant or whatever would pop up. And if you weren't paying attention, you got bit. And I kind of given up on it for a minute. But then I remember... Jeez, Louise, I was on the Figured Out podcast with Sean. Uh, we had our uh, friend and collaborator Brian. We did we did the mini books with him, and he was sort of, and he was like talking it up. I'm like, Jeez, Louise, like maybe I'm, maybe I don't want to give it up. And so I, I put it back on the pool list and made it official. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, at first I was like, oh man, I want to spend another four bucks on a comic each month, but I don't have to. It's like three <laughs> times a year I spend four bucks on a comic. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's five dollar yeah. comic. Oh my. <laughs> Well, how do you like that? But um, it's worth it. And, and you know, five bucks for something that comes out three, four times a year justify that. And I mean, it, it's it's got such a solid creative team. It, it again, it is it is worth it. It's worth the wait too. Yeah, I mean, the, the wait. Some books would be a kiss of death. This one, I think, it's got its little foothold established as the little niche book right. that it can mm-hmm. afford it. Yeah. I never did read the uh, Sabrina book. I, I didn't jump on the spinoffs. Is that Sabrina book you know a what? spinoff from this storyline, or is it just like no? Uh, it's it's not a direct spinoff. It's it's still in that horror vein. Mm-hmm. Like even though in the like the traditional Archie comics, Sabrina was the teen witch. That was always played up for comedy and hijinks. This is. Like straight up, like a, a witch horror story, like a coven of witches and grotesque things, and it's still really good, though. I mean, I would, and it, actually, it, now that I think about it, it's almost like a little bit of an alternate universe too, because mm-hmm. it takes place in the fifties, and from what I remember, the very last the last issue I read, they basically introduced like a fifties version of Betty and Veronica. Who were cheerleader? They were Riverdale High cheerleaders uh, cheering against the school that Sabrina was going to, which was like a competing school. Like their teams were um, playing each other or whatever. Um, but it was definitely Betty and Veronica. So I don't know. I, I feel like Sabrina just lives in its own bubble. And I just noticed the trade dress on this and Sabrina. Is that Archie whore? Is that always been yes. there? Yes, I think so. Go back and look. 
But um, yeah, it's interesting what the Marchy folks are doing. Staying relevant mm-hmm. for a book that was old when, like, when we first started reading. Oh yeah, like this, it was just that little like digest at the grocery store, and I was like, "What?" And then it's, yeah, what? I, well, what happened with Archie? I don't know all the details, but I know there was basically new ownership took over um, in the recent years, and that's that's when they're like, "Let's shake up the status quo. Let's try to do some some things," you know. Well, um, I mean, is that wacky lady year. still in charge? Oh, I, I don't know. Oh, you know about no uh, the, their boss. Penis, penis, penis. No, I did an episode of Figure It Out about this. Um, go ahead, as you were, as you were, Duke. I'll, uh, I'll do a little research here. <laughs> um, well, we could talk about another book in the meantime. Well, that would take us off topic. Never mind. I found oh, no. it. So, um, oh, you got it. Oh, there you go. He's fast. In 2014, here it is. Archie Comics hit with the gender discrimination lawsuit. This is from uh, the New York Daily News, going back to August 25th, 2014. So, a little over two years ago. Um, yeah, you know, this is right after. Remember, Archie was killed in the comic. So that's where right. So, like, it's enough to make Archie roll over in his freshly dug grave. And you're like, what's that mean? It's like, well, <laughs> they tried to kill Archie off. Um, Archie Comics, home of the recently departed Archie Andrews, blah, blah, has been slapped with a sexual discrimination suit by three female former employees. This is, I know there was males too. Basically, uh, the women say they were targeted and retaliated against by their male bosses because they worked directly for and battled CEO. This is a different article and I should research a little more better. Anyway, Nancy, (laughs) Nancy Silberquit, um, was being targeted for sexual harassment of her own, and like sexual discrimination. Um, and like she just was very uh, caustic in the office. And and the quote that stuck out to me was that when she would see men, she she would call men penis. So she walk into like a conference room with men, and like she like she three guys would be like penis, penis, penis. They're just like. And so they sort of like turned a suit. Now here, evidently, the uh, the Archie offices from this article, sorry, grabbed an error. Uh, uh, is is a is a really um, hostile place to work. It seems, but damn, they make good comics. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, boring people make boring art. So, <laughs> well, it's just you know, over the years, I mean, even before the new ownership, I mean, they would team up Archie with all kinds of. You know, Archie meets the Punisher. Yeah. Archie, Archie does this. Ar- I have um, four issue, uh, four issues of Archie meets Kiss. Oh yeah, classic. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's just like they're they're never done reinventing Archie. It seems like. Here we go. Here's a bit. Um... Uh, the exact, uh, it's a little out of context, but just bear with me. The exact filing also contends the manner in which they communicate with Silver Creek is governed by a memorandum of understanding. She and co-CEO Jonathan Goldwater signed in 2011 to end an earlier legal battle. Uh, the peace treaty hasn't taken. Several of the execs named in the assistance suit, including company co-president Mike Pellerito and editor-in-chief Victor Gorlick. So basically, this 2014 article, basically, the guys that sued the boss are now being sued by their women underneath them that Archie's is some big old gender battle, much like the comic itself. It's a gender war. Um, 
So, uh, including company co-president Mike Pellerito and editor-in-chief Victor Gorlick filed a $32 million discrimination suit against Silver Creek in 2013, charging she'd been using her gender as weapon in the office, once yelling penis, penis, penis during a business meeting. Yeah. The word penis became somewhat of a campaign slogan and her preferred method of referring to employees in lieu of their names, the suit said. <laughs> Dang. So there's, there's, yeah, see, penis, penis, penis. Um, okay. I don't think that's going to be the, the the title of the show, but <laughs> that's what I was thinking. As a as that's <laughs> a that's a, a, a valiant effort. <laughs> what did I forget? What Sean and I called our episode? <laughs> I don't. Right. I remember. Come on, I, I, I found Archie Comics penis penis penis. How can I let that one go? But yeah, yeah. So the 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 uh, like I said, the offices of Archie Comics really wacky. <laughs> It's a good wholesome time to expect when you visit. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I'm just content to leave the curtain unpulled, you know, (laughs) let's not find out what's behind there. Uh, I'll enjoy the sausage for what it is. (laughs) No pun intended. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Duke, you want to, you want to get it? You want to take us out of penisville? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, out of Penisville and into Snot Girl. All right. <laughs> um, Snot Girl, a new book from Image Comics um, by um, writer Brian Lee O'Malley and artist Leslie Hung. And um, I just, I actually just read this tonight because uh, I, knew, I knew I needed something else. So I was like, before the show. Um, but I've been carrying, I've had this in my bag and I'm like, I got to read it. So, um, Snot Girl is, um, basically about this girl who writes, uh, fashion blog and video blogs and all that. And, um, everybody knows her as this perfect personality. Um, but her secret life is that she has horrible allergies and constantly her, her nose is constantly running and snotty and she's disgusting, you know? But, like, when the camera's on, she's perfect. Yeah, and that, that kind of thing. And, um, it's, um, <laughs> I'm actually intrigued by this book. She, uh, makes a friend, um, who she dubs Cool Girl. And, um, because that's what she does. She's like, hey, I just name everybody I know. I give them nicknames. And, you know, she's Cool Girl because I just met her and she's super cool. She wants to be my friend, you know, this, this kind of thing. And, um, by the end of it, though, they meet at a bar, and they run into Snot Girl's ex-boyfriend, and she has like a, you know, panic attack or whatever, and runs into the bathroom, and uh, and starts, you know, her nose and everything starts going crazy. She's like, nobody can see me like this, and the cool girl walks in. I'm spoiling the whole issue here. Um, the cool girl comes in. And wants to help her, and she's basically like, hey, I know what your nickname should be. It should be Snotty. (laughs) Because, you know, the runny nose. And there's this weird transition at the end where um, Snot Girl basically says, I'm a monster that knows it's a monster. And she's like, and you. And then, like, the next page, uh, the cool girl falls to the floor with a bloody face. And they don't show 
exactly what happened. So I'm like, what? You know, like this was going along kind of, you know, it seemed like it was going one way, but now, um, the, apparently her new friend is dead on the floor and she doesn't know why. So I was like, you know what? I may have to check this out for another issue. Um, the other thing I really like about it is, um, Leslie Hung's art, um, reminds me of Brett Blevins, um, from, uh, from the New Mutant era and all that. Only in places. Like, I mean, you can tell she's very influenced by, you know, by the manga style. Um, you know, even the way the balloons are let, even the lettering and stuff like that, um, has, has very much, you know, that manga style to it. Um, but there are certain panels that I'm like, wow, that looks like a Brett Blevins, um, you know, kind of look in the eyes kind of thing. And I'm like, I, I love Brett Blevins artwork. And I'm like, I, I may have to buy this just for that, for, you know, issue two. So, um, so I'm, I'm saying I recommend it. I would say, um, uh, give it a try. Um, the only thing that people may be put off by is the, um, uh, there's a lot of the, um, online speak in it. Like when she talks to her friends, they talk on the phone. They don't even talk in person, um, which is common, I guess, for teenagers nowadays. So, but they, um, you know, see my, you know, so like older readers like myself might be like, oh, this is annoying because they're just, you know, it's just talk balloons um, going back and forth. Um, but the art, the artwork on the, even on those pages carries it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking through it right now and it, I agree. I, I really like the art. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just an odd concept. Yeah, it's very odd. And honestly, I mean, and again, I, I know it's probably, you know, it's, done for the purposes of the comic, but um, if you had allergies and your snot was that green, you would probably need to see a doctor like ASAP. Yeah. It's she an, does it's see, an infection. Yeah. She does see a doctor in this issue and prescribes like a, yeah, any I mean, or something. A biologic I, for sure. Yeah. Like I've got, you know, sp- seasonal allergies and yeah, it's just... The sniffles. It's just like, <laughs> like a yeah, a runny nose, but it's not like. That's what bronchitis you know, looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's not like yeah, it's not like gamma green snot coming out of my nose. Um, I have a feeling that this may go in some twisted way. You know, like the way her. I, I that's why I'm sticking around, I guess, because I, the way the girl just drops dead, like it's it doesn't make any sense at all. And and it's like, well, is it because of her, you know, mucus, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> is that her mucus power, you know? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's funny. I, uh, so, I picked it uh, up at the shop the other yeah. week because I remember you talking about it before. Yeah, that we were going to, yeah. And uh, I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I should know that guy's name too, Brian Lee O'Malley. I feel like I've read. Oh, Scott yeah, Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. There, oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. All um, right. So there it is. So I, I, I just knowing that, I think this is going to go somewhere, like in a weird way that'll be good. So. And if you guys are interested, um, we do have issue two on the drive, which is why I was trying to get in the drive earlier. I was <laughs> like, damn, 
I, I know it's out there. It's I'm looking at it now. It's in the um, August twenty fourth folder. Okay. So awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm probably gonna just on that recommendation. I'll, I'll probably check out the first two issues since we have them. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, I was. I don't know if is intrigued the right word, but like morbidly curious. Yeah, usually because a book called Snot Girl yeah. is really like, uh, I don't know. Uh, usually, it's, um, artwork will hook me, and that's like I say, I really liked that, that, and that's mm-hmm. why I bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, I might, I might, yeah, the story's kind of good too, so. Okay. So I'll probably right, stick well, around. Give it a shot. I'll give it a snot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, You've been out, well, out Duke, wiped, Duke. You're wiping the floor <laughs> with those jokes. Oh, oh my god, and I quit. <laughs> this is my last episode. <laughs> well, before you go, tell us about your comic. Um, I read a book. I um, Like I said, we get these uh, review books sent to us by publishers. And so just on a whim, I went through and just picked one at random. Pretty much base. It was kind of like... Going in like this bot when like being a kid, just going like to the spinner rack and just getting a random copy of a you know random issue, um, and not really knowing the full story, but the cover looked cool or the artwork caught your eyes, so you just got that one. And I read the Baker Street Peculiars. I, I, I had a phonetic spelling up in front of me. Um, issue four. I didn't even restart with the beginning. I didn't go back and I get the whole oh. story. I'm like, all right, I'm just taking this one, jumping in and see what happens. That's yeah. hardcore. Yeah. Cool. And uh, it's written by Roger Langridge, a name I recognized, a cartoonist. I, I enjoy his cartoon work. I, I can't, I don't, I haven't read a bunch of his work, but I know I've seen his drawings and I've enjoyed those. And drawn by a fellow named Andy Hirsch. I'll be honest, I didn't know Roger Langridge didn't draw it until I started reading it, but it was cool. Um, it's basically a story of like these four kids, three kids, three kids and a dog in like London. And then, like, these, like, statues have come to life and are menacing the town, and they have to, like, stop the lead statue guy who's controlling them and trying to destroy their little area of London. And it's it's, it's a fun little, like, adventure-type book. Um, the cartooning is beautiful. It's It's cartoony, but it's not, like, simplistic or anything like that. Um... It's just really, really well crafted, um, and, and the story was fun too. I mean, it's, it's not. My, I mean, I don't know what was going on. I just know there's a bunch of these statues they're menacing the town, and these kids stop them. I don't know much. They're called golems, and they have to pull these like pieces of paper out of their mouths, and that's what makes uh, them stop yeah. being alive. Yeah. I don't know. Sounds right. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what's <laughs> going on, but it, it kind of it did lay out enough where I didn't. I wasn't completely lost. There was enough like context clues built into the narrative that you know if I wasn't completely dense about it, you know, I, I can pick up and get the idea of what relationships are like and what the threat is and all that jazz. So I wasn't lost at all. Um, there was a lot of stuff like I said, I'm not familiar with golems and shems and all that stuff, so that was kind of weird to me. It's like all these statues. And they, I don't know what it is. It's like a piece of paper and they pull it out of their mouth. I guess it says there's like instructions written on it, and then out of the blue, like Sherlock Holmes shows up at the end, <laughs> and I should have known from the Baker Street part of it that that's uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And then like Sherlock Holmes isn't really Sherlock Holmes. Like, you know, like Sherlock Holmes has been some like lady in disguise because she knew being a 
famous detective as a lady. Like, she, no one would take her seriously, so she's been in disguise as a man this whole time. And I don't know if... I couldn't tell when exactly this book takes place. Because I figure if this is, like, the real Sherlock Holmes who commissioned books to be written, if this is, like, now, then she must be, like, 150. Maybe it took place in the past. Like, it it kind of really wasn't um, specific about that. And I sort of had, like, that retro, classic, contemporary feel to it. But, um... I enjoyed it. It was fun. It looked good. I liked the story. I was able to enjoy it from just picking up in the last chapter and all that. And I said, no, it was I, I, I see we have the first issue was sent to us as well for review. Mm-hmm. So I'll go back and check that out. But, yeah. I've, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dan. Well, I was going to say, yeah, just jump. I, I read the first issue when we first got it. And I, I liked it enough. I just – I never um, followed up with it. Whoa! <laughs> Did we lose you? Was Dan just teleported onto a spaceship? No, uh, I'm still I'm still here. Hold on a second. <laughs> keep keep talking. Oh, okay. So I pulled up the first issue, and uh, some of my questions are answered. Like right on the first page, it takes place in 1933, which makes a lot of sense. But that's what was kind of cool about it was that it had okay. So it's a period piece, but it didn't look like a period piece. I mean, it looked like it could have been now. It had a and I mean, there's a bunch of like stuff in this first issue that clearly places it as a period piece that was not present in the uh, fourth issue. I didn't notice a bunch of cars or stuff in the fourth issue. And it looks like I don't know. I'm just skimming through right now, so I'm. But um, you know what was fun, Duke, was just grabbing like a random comic and just diving in and going for the ride. Yeah. And not having to be caught up in like. Getting the story from square one and following each step of the way, but just like they're just reading yeah. that one particular issue. I'm sure you had a similar experience when you were, you know, a young man collecting comics, a youngster. That's, that's how you start, man. That's how you everyone starts. Yeah, you don't worry yeah. about what issue you're on. You just that's what back issues are for. Yeah, you know? just jump in. Yeah, yeah, I didn't need to bring all new, all different issue one. I just like whatever, just went for yeah. the ride. Well, and I I think this is a. This is definitely like a conversation we've had ongoing, like pretty much since the show started. Is that, you know, when we started reading books, there was no internet, there was no Wikipedia, there was, you know, there, there were no omnibuses. You just jumped in and you started reading, and if you liked it, and you tried to find more old books. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then uh, I just P.S. I also. We get sent review copies for Jupiter's Legacy number two, and yeah. we got mm-hmm. issue three this week. Yeah, oh, yes, we did. So good. I read it. I read good. it on my phone at lunch. I <laughs> didn't read it yet. So. I read it, but I didn't want to. I figured since we talked about last we talked week, about it yeah. last week, I wasn't going to bring it up this that's week. All but I'm saying. Yep, that, that's all that needs to be said. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying anything is all you need to say. Um, so we're going to, I think we're going to wrap it up soon. We got a couple, just a couple more books, but then I know we got to, we got to close up shop pretty soon. Um, I'm going to talk real quick about Blue Beetle Rebirth number one by, uh, I think it was Keith Giffen and Scott Collins. And, you know, two, two creators I've, I've enjoyed over the years. Um, this, this book has, has immediately got my attention because in the first page you see a familiar giant blue mechanical bug ship 
with a with a goggled guy, you know, on a like on a zip line or something coming down from the trap door in the the belly of the bug. And I'm like, oh my god, Ted Cord is back. <laughs> and I, you know, I just kind of stood up and gave a you know a slow clap. And um, but this is still the this is the Jaime Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle, but you've got Ted Cord as kind of like his his mentor or um reluctant well I, it's probably it's more reluctant on the side of Jaime who I don't remember this exactly I don't remember the Jaime Reyes run that well I don't remember if when he got the blue beetle scarab if he was you know so reluctant or as reluctant to be the blue beetle as he is in this issue it, Almost to the point where it's a little off-putting, because you know, yeah, it's okay to have your your hero be conflicted about being a hero, but when he's very like just openly against doing any <laughs> any of this stuff, it's like, eh, okay, maybe dial it back a little bit. But just a lot of fun stuff. I mean, it, it's great having Ted Cord back in the DCU, and you know, having that legacy character thing going on, which is which DC I think does pretty well. You know, that with the older generation teaching the younger generation, and or you know sharing the same name, mm -hmm. you know, um, or or passing on the torch, so to speak. Yeah. You know, so you've got you know Ted Cord helping slash teaching Jaime and. Um, uh, there's an appearance by Dr. Fate, like Dr. Fate looking like Dr. Fate again, you know, with the, the blue and yellow outfit. Um, and a, a, an interesting twist in that, in the, the previous Blue Beetle series, the scarab that attached itself to Jaime was alien in origin. In this, you find out it's not alien, it's in, fa in fact uh, mystical in origin or supernatural. So it's going to have a different. There's going to be a different twist to this, which is kind of interesting. Um, the only uh, kind of weird thing was the like I I like Scott Collins' art. It it seemed not as tight here, just like just a looser style. Now I don't know if that's something, if it's a style he's adopting, or if it's like oh here's my here's my roughs. Let the the colorist finish it off, things like that. Um, I mean, it was still you could still tell it was him, and it was still good, but just a lot looser than I've seen from him in the past. Mm. So, um, yeah, if you're if, if you're a fan of Blue Beetle, um, I would I would recommend this. Um, Keith Giffen, you know, he's still he's still got it. You know, he's still got the chops. You know, he's been around forever, but he's he still tells a pretty good story. And the um, there was just some really good um, some just some good straight up comic book action in this, and it's like I said, just a fun just a fun story. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy that this book <laughs> is back. Excellent. Very That's cool. Excellent. Uh, 
Were we gonna? I can't remember. Jared, did you have another one? I'm I'm out. You're out. Okay, I got one more, and I and I can see we're on small time here. Yeah, um, small time. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to talk briefly about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, issues 59 through 61. Um, they are illustrated by Dave Wachter, which is why I picked them up. Uh, Dave. Yeah, local Pittsburgh, you know, artist extraordinaire. Um, Dave Wachter. Um, story by Kevin Eastman, Bobby Kurnov, and Tom Waltz. Um, script by Tom Waltz. All right. Um, one thing that Jared just said that actually, I, this makes me think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is, um, the, I picked this up because of Dave Wachter and, and like they don't, this isn't the start of a story arc. You, they throw you right in the middle of whatever's going on. Yeah, um, so do. it's, yeah, so it's not like when a new artist comes on, uh, it's a new story. Like, so yeah, I was like, oh my God, who is this and what is going on and where are they? You know, like, um, one of the big things that I didn't know because I, I don't usually read the turtles. Um, is that they are now the Foot Clan, and you know they follow. They you know um, Splinter is the head of the Foot Clan. The Turtles are the Foot Clan, and they have uh, a, a, you know a heritage to the Shredder now, who's huh. who's dead. Um, but they you know but because it was his clan and they they have it they have this heritage to him. And, you know, so it's kind of weird because they're like, you know, hey, this is our enemy, you know, but, but Splinter's like, no, this is, you know, uh, you know, so like, I, I don't know, just like the whole story is very mature. Um, they have some crazy sci-fi stuff going on in it. Uh, people that are able to pass through walls, um, you know, Donatello's using, you know, like these super goggles, you know, to fight, you know, and stuff like that. Um, but the main thing I want to mention about this book is Dave Wachter's art and how it felt like an old time comic book. Like the way that he lays out pages is like going back in time and, and enjoying like, uh, I, I can't even think, I couldn't even tell you an, an era, but it just, hmm. um, he, you know, he has, panels and then it'll have an open panel you know and then he'll he'll bleed a panel out you know and it it really has a nice flow to it um and and i think he picks the right beats for when he does that kind of stuff um you know and i i'm like man this, this is actually a really good book <laughs> uh and you know i'm i'm you know i'm excited for dave that he's doing something like this um uh, but i but I also think that he's he's a really good choice, too. You know, like never mind that you know I know the guy. Um, he he's a good choice for this book. So um, I made just a similar to props. Yeah, I made a similar comment uh, the on the previous episode that mm -hmm. his style seems to almost be counterintuitive to the turtles, and that he's a very grounded, you know. Um, Realistic looking type artist. Yeah. He's still pretty much stylized, but stylized very firmly rooted in reality. And so to see his turtles, it, it, it kind of helps because it does sort of play up 
the fact that they are mutated turtles in a world full of real people. And, right. seeing, and seeing him draw turtles in his style is very cool, too, because of his style and drawing, you know, such a cartoony-type character. Right. Um, and, yeah, so I've been reading it, too, just like you. had no idea what was going on. It was dropped in blind. But yeah. the writing did a good job as to sort of, like, filling in the gaps. If you just pay attention, it gives you all you need to know to really do enough to uh, follow along without having to go back and reread every, you know, the previous 60 issues that came beforehand or what have you. Right. So, yeah, so I don't know the way the Shredder's dead. They inherited the Foot Clan. Okay. But at the same time, yeah, and that's exactly right. It's like you don't have to go back and read them, but at the same time, you kind of want to. You know, you're kind of like, because it's really good. So is this, I'm guessing if this is at issue 61, this has been uh, going on for probably like the last five years or so. Yeah, maybe a little more than that. I can't remember when they rebooted the series. So is this but, the uh, same series that um, like Sophie Campbell was drawing years uh, ago? Or uh, friend uh, of the show, yeah, friend. Oh, uh, that I don't know. the same run? I wonder. Oh, I don't. Is oh, this you the know same what? run where Donatello was a robot for a, for a little bit? I don't know. Oh my god! It, yeah, it's hard to say because they've they've had so many, um, like uh, mini series and they and one shots and yeah, uh, yeah. There's even it, a new one that just came out this week too. Yeah, and there, there's there's different books. I don't know if they run in uh, if they're doing like Archie and running in alternate alternate timelines yeah. or yeah. I think that's the case. I think that yeah, they have they all have their own. So, but uh. Yeah, I don't know if that is the one. Now I, I remember that because, but weren't I think they did like a uh, a bunch of one shots, but then they also did that death of a turtle story. But it was really he just got really beat up really bad. Um, so I'm not sure. Yeah, see, I don't even know my turtle history to tell you that. Neither so, do I. <laughs> but but I'm I'm intrigued. So um, yeah. I think the I think Dave's run is only four issues though. I believe it's six. I oh, is it? Okay. Me- Okay. I remember talking to him about it at, I think it was PIX earlier this year. Okay. And um, I believe it's a six-issue run is what he was doing. So he's like, what, or is it three of them are out so far? Yeah, three issues out. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I I recommend it. I, I just wanted to say like I, how much I enjoyed his his classic style of art on, yeah. on that book. So. Mm-hmm. The cover to issue sixty, his cover to issue sixty, yeah, is awesome. Like I, I would like a poster of that. I, oh I, yeah, yeah. I don't think turtles, I could afford yeah. the original, but yeah, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, if, if, if twerk no object, <laughs> <laughs> an inquiry might be made. If it's not, it's probably long gone though. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think. I think we're we're at our time. Yeah, sorry, about... I, it's my fault. I gotta. No, that's okay. We did a we did a good episode. Yeah. We did we did some good work here tonight, guys. <laughs> we did. We should work. all be proud. <laughs> freeze, it's Miller time. Freeze frame. <laughs> that's right. We all we all jump up and it freezes. If only a podcast right. could iron us out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that'll about do it for episode 232 of Comic Book Pit. I'm Dan. I'm Duke. I'm Jared. And we'll see you next time. Sure.